lose, everyone. I'm back, baby. It's Jake C. Lee. I'm great. Everybody else sucks. Oh, oh no. It's every nightmare I've ever had. Excuse me. It's time to check the link. Pretty crazy, huh? But, but it doesn't matter because none of this has anything to do with the show. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. It's all in. Sure, we talk about it all the time. Really? No. Game on, everybody. It is all in sports, uh, as always. You, well, maybe not. Maybe he came in from an amazing guest today. And there's a good chance because he's a great mind. We'll get to him in a second. But if you did come in from him, you follow me at All In Kid and all my work over at The Athletic. And if you haven't subscribed to The Athletic, if you go to theathletic.com front slash name of the show, All In Sports, you get 40% off because our draft kit is out right now and it's getting added to every single day. I just released my guys, the guys I own a ton of and why I own a ton of them yesterday. And yes, I've already done that many drafts, but make sure you're checking that out. Make sure you're doing all that. And when I say make sure you're checking all these things out, you should be making sure you're following today's guest. And instead of possibly leaving something out, I'm just going to introduce a good friend, and yes, I call you a friend, Mike Taglier, and let you tell everybody where to follow you, where your work is, what you have coming out, so everybody, so I don't miss anything. Well, you could find me at my company's page, uh, fantasypros.com. You could find me on Twitter at Mike Taglier NFL. And I'll, you know, I think I'm Mike Taglier NFL on like everything, on Instagram, on Draft, all those different things. I mean, if if you guys want to find me, just just start at (laughs) fantasypros.com. You you missed one thing. What did I miss? You missed. Yes, I really appreciate you calling me a friend. Well, we are dear friends. I, I didn't think I needed to tell you that. Jake, is, uh, so if you're listening, so Jake really is as insecure as you would think he is. He is so, <laughs> he's so, like, I love Jake. And it's so funny because Jake and I have hung out multiple times, you know, outside of podcasts, actually in person. So I oh, know okay, Jake, I know the Jake behind the scenes. I've actually shared a hotel room with this dude. Uh, Jake is, that was is a really, nice hotel. That thing is always booked, by the way, but go ahead. <laughs> he, Jake is a good guy. No matter what you think about him, you might follow him for football, but he actually is a good guy behind uh, behind the mask. Behind the scenes. Don't they, you just ruin the entire persona and all in heel and he just uh, so might as well just talk <laughs> other things. Yeah, like football. Hey, well, I mean, we'll probably sidebar into other stuff at some point, I'm assuming, but Football-wise, before we get to specific players, Mike, because one of the things, too, for everybody that should be checking out your work, you're profiling players and doing little write-ups on it. Not, that made it sound diminutive. Whatever. You, at this point, if people are listening to me, they know I never mean anything by anything. So I want to ask you as a quick sidebar, because this happened in a fancy baseball league, and I know we're not talking fancy baseball, but I, this could happen in a fancy football league. And I want to get your question as one commissioner to – is this just bad form? Because I, I, I kind of lean towards the commissioner can't really do anything because it's not your right to do anything, even if the owner complains. I mean, it's kind of on the owner's fault. But at the same time, I feel like the other person is poor form by doing so. So here's the scenario. It's, it's kind of an archaic website that I'm playing on. And so the, it's not the best. It's actually kind of hard to even find trades when you propose them or get them proposed to you. Anyway, being said, is propose a trade. And you forget you proposed the trade because the person never even responds yep. to the email. So first of all, that's the bad form. Like, I hate that. Don't be that owner. We've all agreed on that. Don't be the owner that doesn't respond. At least, worst case scenario, just decline it. And please give something back of like, I have no interest in that person, like whatever. So you can, just, you know, have some talks. But anyway, right. no decline, no nothing. So it's sitting there, sat there for two weeks. I legitimately, it's my fault. I forgot about it. I didn't pull it down. Said player I offered started getting hot. 
said player I was asking for was starting to struggle. After two weeks, the person accepts the trade. Mm. I was kind of like, all right, that's you're fair in doing so, but I still feel like it's bad form of the person who accepted the trade. Okay, so this particular scenario, I'm not totally opposed to like it, it wasn't like an injury happened because if an injury had happened to that player then you're a douche like don't do that to anybody <laughs> then you're you're just you're just a turd um now this situation it's more like <laughs> whoa, 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 okay. time out. i told you we were gonna sidebar was that a south park reference no it was i mean i wa- i've watched south park i oh, haven't watched the most recent they, episodes or anything no, no no this wasn't even a recent episode this is years ago where they did the new mascot at the school was offensive so they wrote in the douche or the <laughs> turd right. That's right. Turd, turd sandwich or giant douche. <laughs> and then the whole battle with that music where they came out and did like the NBA 99 dance music to it. I do remember that now. Yes, that was, uh, <laughs> I totally forgot about that. I haven't watched South Park in years, but um, I know it was not intentional, but yeah, that's, that's basically how I feel about it. If there's an injury, <laughs> don't be that person. Um, like it's just, that's in bad form. However, in your situation, Jake, hype is one thing. Uh, you know, uh, uh, someone on the on the downfall. That's another thing. You know, but these things happen in sports. And if that if that trade's still out there, I think I believe on most sites you can you can like say this time this trade has like two days uh, a two day you know offer period where it's like it'll automatically be revoked after two days. I think some people do a week, whatever. Um, in this situation, I'm not opposed to it in regards to what that other owner did. But if there was an injury, that's absolutely a no no. If you were the other owner, would you have just accepted it or would you reach out and say, hey, do you still want to make this trade? I probably would have accepted it, especially if it was you. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't me. <laughs> just, uh, it wasn't you. Uh, no, I mean, it just, it, I guess it depends. I mean, if it's in, a, in, a, in an industry league or something like that, you know, you want to maintain relationships. But if it, it's against your friends that you're just like, screw this guy, I just want to beat him, I, I'd probably <laughs> accept it. See, I just felt like it was bad form. Like me, like maybe this is the this is behind the not really all being an all in heel. I just kind of feel like if I saw a trade sitting there for three weeks, two weeks, whatever, like especially fantasy football where two weeks can change so much, I would be like, hey, I'm gonna accept this just so you, like I, I and maybe I screw myself over because yeah. it's you know, they'll pull it, but at the same time, I don't know. I just, I've I've obviously been on the other side of things and forgot that I left the trade sitting there because well again it all comes back to like we can agree the one part Mike is the fact that you should have responded in the first place. Yeah, I mean that I can agree with. Um, but especially if your first interaction is only accepting it two weeks later, it wasn't even an email of like, hey, I kind of like this guy, I kind of don't. Let me think about it. Whatever. It wasn't a decline. Your first interaction of replying was waiting two weeks to accept the trade. Yeah, I I understand like the gripe about it. I really do. But at the same time, it's again, it's not an injury. I, I want to be clear in saying that if this was an injury, like if there was news that a player right. or, or a player was traded or, you know, something that obviously affects his stock, not so much like eh, he started like gaining steam. This guy started losing some. Eh, that That's that's why I feel OK with it. OK, then the second question. Giant turd or douche sandwich? <laughs> See how I turned it around? <laughs> douche. <laughs> do sandwich so instead of a giant turd like i just i just say it more often yeah what if it was a giant douche would you still you're still going with that now that was the original it was the giant I, douche. i suppose i mean better than a giant turd <laughs> or a turd sandwich or a turd sandwich which was so disgusting they did a really that is, that is gross I, 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 <laughs> the way, a cartoon just the way anyway all right so let's talk <laughs> some players let's talk uh but the, hey he was a giant turd 
or a little turd sandwich for players last year who drafted him and thought that Le'Veon Bell would show it at some point. It's funny, and I brought this up on the other show, Mike, is that I find it amusing that people are trying, and I'll say amusing like in the fact that like you're idiots, but amusing that everybody's trying to figure out what Melvin Gordon can be and do this. Like, does he still get his year? Does he not get his year? Do they get franchise him? Get like, but we all sat here. You remember this, Mike? Tell me if I'm wrong. You remember sitting here? We got to like week eight or nine when they're like, "Oh yeah, Le'Veon Bell is going to be a free agent," yep. even though he sat out. And everybody's like, "What? Nobody was saying that at the beginning of the season." Yes, I, I absolutely remember that. I I was I was one of the idiots. That- I, I was an idiot that drafted Le'Veon Bell last year in, in leagues, and um, fortunately, I did handcuff him with James Conner in most. But still, it, it, you never want to waste your you know your number one pick, a top three pick at that. Yeah, that, that was the thing. Is like it was kind of hey, he's still gonna play. It'll just be week six because he still needs to play to get. And then all of a sudden, so, eligibility. Yeah. Yeah. So all right. So now we have this. Now we have Le'Veon Bell has missed an entire season, sat out, got some of the money he wanted. He's now on a new team, which we all know the question marks, Mike. We know the offensive line. We know it's a completely different offense. We know, like, whatever. Where are you on Le'Veon Bell? Are you Le'Veon Bell's in the conversation to be the fifth running back off the board? Are you on Le'Veon Bell's way too many questions? I might not even think about him in the first round. I am absolutely not in on Le'Veon Bell this year. I wouldn't draft him until, I mean, even then, I, I would I would not like doing it, but I would do it in the middle of the second round is where I think that he belongs because – I've done studies based on like team scoring and what it means to fantasy running backs. I know it's like, it's, it seems like an obvious thing, but like running backs on bottom 10 scoring teams, which I fully anticipate the jets being don't finish as top six running backs. Like it's a fact, like I've gone over the last six or seven years. Now my, my study goes back seven years, not a single running back that has been on a bottom 10 scoring team or, or maybe it's two. I can't remember, but basically it's nearly impossible for that to happen. Adam Gase is terrible. Okay. Adam Gase was the worst hire that ever could have happened for the Jets. I mean, let's talk about it. Jay Ajayi, Kenyon Drake, Frank Gore, and Damian Williams. Those were his running backs while with Miami. So they were good running backs. Like it wasn't like he had he had Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber and like he's making excuses. They were good running backs. His his average team ranks attempts 21st, yards 17th, touchdowns 22nd. They've run, like, over the last two years in Miami, his running backs combined for just 10 rushing touchdowns on 645 carries. That's an average of 64.5 carries per touchdown. The NFL average, the league average, is less than half that. It's every 30 carries. Adam Gase runs, like, sub-60 plays per game. The defense is supposed to be better. They added Jamison Crowder. They're talking about using him and getting him 70 catches. I know it's all coach speak and all that, but... Going back to Miami, remember when they signed Albert Wilson? Remember when they signed Danny Amendola? And we were like, why are they signing two slot receivers? Because Adam Gase loves those guys. Adam Gase is, he's a different cat. Like, he's a different character. He's a terrible head coach. He might be okay as an offensive coordinator. I'd like to see him go back to that role because I think some people, like Hugh Jackson, were better when they didn't have all that responsibility. Le'Veon Bell's been out of football for a year. I will take someone who is, like, what's the difference between him and Leonard Fournette? Fournette? legitimately is locked into 20 plus touches a game his offense main you know it's not going to be great the Jags offense is going to be great the Jets isn't going to be great but they're going to run more plays per game in Jacksonville and you're able to get Leonard Fournette a complete two rounds later yeah I I think the definite concern is over under 11 games played that's true but you could say the same about Bell though I mean he he just spent a year away from the game he's 27 years old now I, I, he he got paid, <laughs> you know, like that's, this is his last contract. He's not getting another one after this. That's basically how it goes, but it's just basically knowing that there's, 
he really the personality that like, even though he got paid it's going to be like like look this is why i did it screw you guys i don't know i i think i don't know look i, 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 like, I, I, I maintain that Le'Veon Bell is one of the most contentious. Like we could, like let's be real, we can poke holes in every single running back after the Big Four, and arguably you mm-hmm. can even poke holes in the Big Four. Like, yep. but they're the Big Four because the holes are very small. But let's just talk about everybody. Like why I say in the conversation for number five is because I don't know how you feel. I don't like that David Johnson is turning into consensus number five. I feel like that's not right. And I don't feel like it's not right. Like you want to take David Johnson, go right ahead. It's don't tell me I'm wrong. If I don't like David Johnson there, like I like James Conner there and I like James Conner there. And yes, it wasn't that far behind, but I moved him up to five where I had him at seven before after talking to Mike Tomlin, it did change my opinion when he said he's going to use him that way. And that wasn't like, Oh, I talked to Mike Tomlin. It's just, that's the benefit I get to go to the Hampton Rose youth foundation and seeing him for two years in a row. So yeah, it's one of those things is like, you know, he doesn't like to talk to people, but for some reason, I guess, as you, as you said, in person i'm a different person in person <laughs> i guess i'm unassuming and for whatever mike tomlin will put down his guard and talk to me i think it's because when he found out i did fantasy his first words are yeah i hate fantasy football so i think he was just more open to just talk about things because he's probably like ah forget it he's not gonna be anything anyway who cares what jake's saying but anyway i say all that because i agree with you like let to a degree like i agree with you that Le'Veon bell you can make complaints about uh, melvin gordon obviously the holdout situation david johnson i mean like let's be honest you could poke holes in david johnson kyler money kyle murray running could take away from potential targets or maybe the offensive line is still an issue there because it's definitely while improved still pretty terrible so you can do all that i'm a little bit more optimistic than you are mostly because of the talent of levy bell and i think this offense with sam darnold in year two and robbie anderson and jameson crowder coming in and once hernan's back from a suspension i think there's a lot of weapons where put it this way if i told you that at the end of the season i know you said you don't believe it but uh, let me give you this let's put it this way odds one out of ten like a scale we'll give you that or what percentage whatever you want to use mike how about that Mm -hmm. the chances that the jets finish 14 basically just above top half in the league uh i'd give it like a 20 percent chance i don't i don't, okay, I don't so think it's a very high, i don't think it's a high chance but the thing is the reason with i understand why people like bell and it's the same reason that i i, I couldn't pass on him in the second round is just because he's guaranteed touches like you, you don't find running backs that are guaranteed 300 touches you know past the second round typically so right. taking him there i'm okay with it's just I don't feel like you're ever going to win your fantasy league because you drafted Le'Veon Bell in the first round this year. I can see that. I can see winning if you got him in the second round, but I can see that point of turning it that way. That's interesting. All right, so let's talk a frustrating backfield, as is always. Uh, like, this is the Sony Michelle, Damian Harris just drafted. Levy, or, I was about mm-hmm. to say Le'Veon Bell. James White, and uh, for everybody that remembers, do you remember this, Mike? People want to quickly forget this, and I understand why they want to quickly forget this, but remember when Rex Burkhead was a fifth rounder last year? That mm-hmm. was fun, everybody. But let's talk about James White. Well, oh, Chris Hogan, too. I just was <laughs> the running backs. I don't want to talk about Chris Hogan. I took a flyer on Chris Hogan at the end of the draft. Same. Not, uh, but I wasn't definitely, it wasn't like fifth round or like he ended up going up to like, I think it was the fifth, sixth round area. Was he that high? Yeah, cool. he was. Maybe that's why they have, I, I think I had like one share of him, but I think that was kind of when we were drafting back in like the Marchish range. And it's kind of like, yeah. Hey, like I'll take a flyer on Chris Hogan in the 10th round type of thing. And then mm-hmm. this is, this is the advantage and disadvantage of when you draft and you know, there's upsides for both. But anyway, let's back up. The one true one, the one that I did own was James White, because what I say every single year Mike is in Unilus because we've done it on your podcast as well. Is I will just take whatever is the cheapest running back of the Patriots backfield right now. 
I mean, it is Rex Burkhead, but forget Rex Burkhead. Right now is Damian Harris. So I'm taking Damian Harris. But James White last year in PPR, I mean, where are you in his ability to repeat that success, especially now because Gronk was a shell of himself, but he's completely gone. Their number two is Nikhil Harry, assuming and that's a rookie. I mean, where are you on James White of being like, hey, maybe this is the first time in a while where you can be like, you know what, back-to-back seasons, I feel good about a Patriots running back. I love James White. Um, and if you play in a PPR format, he's a fourth rounder. Um, I, I am more than comfortable with him as uh, my RB2 in PPR. Like, and he might even live up to RB1 again. Uh, even if you're in half PPR, I think he's a fourth, fifth round pick. Uh, half PPR, I, he finished in front of David Johnson last year. Yeah, that's well, that's what I'm saying is like people don't realize what he did last year. What's the difference last year? The answer is right in front of our face, right? Why did he have such a big year last year? Because Rob Gronkowski wasn't as, as efficient as he typically was. He started going in and out of the lineup. James White became a bigger part of that. And the thing is, where he operates in the field, that's the area that is least going to affect uh, Brady's age. It's least going to affect him. Those those short dump off passes that he has, him the chemistry. Every single year, Jake, we do this. We search for what wide receiver is going to step up. Which wide receiver is going to do this? And we draft guys like Chris Hogan. We draft guys like you know Kenny Britt. Uh, you go back to Aaron Dobson, Kenbrell Tompkins, all these guys, right? We've oh drafted them thinking that they're eventually going to become the guy. This year, it's Nikhil Harry. It's Demarius Thomas. No, it's not. It's James White. James White has played fourteen career games without Rob Gronkowski. In those games, he averages nearly 14 half PPR points per game. That's a lot. Um, he's targeted. He averages 6.6 targets per game in those games. Like, I, I don't know why people aren't realizing what's happening here. They lost Chris Hogan. They lost Corderell Patterson. They lost Rob Gronkowski. They don't really have a tight end that's going to step in and see anywhere close to those targets. James White is the guy. He's the guy you want. Sony Michelle and Damian Harris, that's actually a battle. I, I actually think that Sony's knee is, is a big question mark, and I think that's why they drafted Harris. I think Harris is phenomenal. I think he's a phenomenal pick at his current price. I also think you meant you laughed about the Rex Burkhead thing. I think Rex Burkhead is going to have a bigger role than people think on this team. And he's someone that I'm grabbing later in best ball leagues because if James White were to go down, he walks into that role. Even if James oh, White on. doesn't go down, I think it's possible that Burkhead gets some goal line carries. I mean, he did in 2016 uh, or 2017. So, I mean, James White is a phenomenal player. Uh, I'm going to have a player profile coming up on him uh, later this week. I uh, Highlighting all the reasons James White is just phenomenal. I want to backtrack a quick second there because on this show, we don't do the best ball crutch argument. And I know you weren't. I just want to make that clear for everybody out there. We don't do this. Like, it's not like, oh, I'll draft him in baseball, blah, blah, blah. Like, everybody says that. But you could, this 700th wide receiver, oh, I'll draft him in baseball. <laughs> The point is, I understood what you were saying. And the fact is, look, Rex Burkhead, you're never touching him in the standard league because trying to predict which week he'll score 20 points because there, and I understood what you're saying. There will be two or three games where Rex Burkhead gets 15 plus points, but trying to predict when they are is a fool's errand. And that's why you draft somebody like him because he's basically the poor Deshaun Jackson of running backs. Like, you know, you, you want those three, four, maybe five weeks, just who the hell knows when they're coming. Yeah, I mean, the, the Patriots could have moved on from Burkhead, but they didn't. And I think that's because they're right. missing options in the passing game. They don't have sturdy options that know the offense. Burkhead does. He could play in the slot. Uh, he can get some of those goal line carries. You know, uh, I just think he offers handcuff value to both James White and potentially Sony Michelle. 
You know, it's funny is that like both shows. So I did the athletic podcast with Chris and Brad today too. both shows. We came to that handcuff thing or not the handcuff, the best ball things. Surprisingly enough, it's funny. I like, mm-hmm. I intentionally don't have the same topics for both shows. And somehow we still overlap. One there. And so, so, real quick, I'm going to test your chops here. If you take out James White's rushing, everything, the yards and the touchdowns, and you just put him as wide receiver for only his receptions, yards and touchdowns receiving only that. Where did you think he finished last year as wide receiver? Among wide receivers? Um, yeah. I want to say he was around 700 yards and six touchdowns as a receiver. Um, so I will – I'll guess him. that he would have been right around the wide receiver 25 maybe. Very close, even though you did undercut him. So because he did have more touchdowns than that. He actually – for everybody out there who want the exact numbers and not have to look it up, 751 and 7. So you missed the touchdown, which might have got you to the right answer because he was 23rd. Okay. Right behind his teammate, Julian Edelman. So to that point, to your point, a, like even if he doesn't run the ball ever, he's wide <laughs> receiver 23. Like he's a wide receiver too. So I, I'm with you. Uh, obviously, he takes a ding in non-PPR, but he, the yards still count. Their touchdowns still count. So it's not as big as a ding as everybody wants to make. So let's talk about another running back and one that has just been – I. I don't have – you want to talk about my guys, Mike. This is one that I don't own anywhere. I look. I don't own a single share so far of Marlon Mack. And it's not because I don't like Marlon Mack. I just don't like paying fringe RB1 price for, R, for Marlon Mack, and that's my issue. And I actually wrote up in our draft kit saying these are the overvalued guys. And I said it's not that I don't like. Like One of them was Baker Mayfield. It was because he turned into the consensus number five wide, or quarterback off the board. I'm like, look. I'm as excited as anybody. I said this team was going to go seven nine last year. So oh, kudos to me. I, I missed it by <laughs> half. Like we like all this like types. But at the same time, it's once you you know how I feel. It's once you start buying all the risk. And I feel buying Marlon Mack is like the 12th, 13th running back off the board. Is does he have much more of a ceiling than that? And that's why I don't do it. And that's why I haven't owned him yet. Is because I feel like now. I'm buying all of the risk and knowing the numbers and granted, I expect the Colts to win a lot of games, but knowing that almost 50% of his value came in games where they were up by two scores, all that put together is just why I don't want, again, I'll take Marlon Mack if he's there in the third as my RB2. I just won't take him as my one or in the second round. I don't even know if I'd take him in the third, to be honest with you. Cause like the third is still like, that's like the RB 12 through 14, 15 range. Like for me and a full um, point PPR, I think it depends. Yeah. You're, you, it depends. Yeah. Yeah. But Mac, the issue for me. So he's another one I've, I've written a profile on that has not been released yet, but here I'll give you some, uh, some stats from it. Uh, so, Ooh. so check this out. Each of the top 10 running backs last year that finished top 10. Okay. Every single one of them finished with at least 55 targets. That's even though four of them, uh, only four of them played 16 games doing the math. They averaged 6.24 targets per game. The, the worst of the bunch, the absolute worst was 3.93 targets per game without looking Jake. How many times do you think Marlon Mack hit four targets in a game? I said zero one. He totaled 26 <laughs> targets over 12 games, averaging just over two targets per game. At that pace, over 16 games, it would have been 34.7 targets. The last time a player finished top 10 with less than 38 targets was the Garrett Blunt in 2016 when he scored 18 friggin' touchdowns. If you think that he's going to score 18 touchdowns, go ahead and draft Marlon Mack. But I would guess his touchdown total is probably going to be half of that, maybe nine. I think that would be a solid season for him. I think you're looking at an RB2 finish for Marlon Mack if he stays healthy, which has also proven to be a problem over his career so far. He's only played two years, but he's been hurt all times. Um, I am not buying him where he's going. No, I would much rather take someone like Aaron Jones. 
like it. I like, well, I'm not a big Aaron Jones fan. People know that. And this, I look, Aaron Jones is going to kill me this year. If he's as good as some people think, I'm going to be wildly off on Aaron Jones. And it's not, you know what? We were going to talk about, but real quick, we'll do a quick version of the Aaron Jones. And this is what I'll just get your feedback on this. This is what I keep saying to everybody. It's not that I don't like Aaron Jones. I'm just going to make the same point as I've always made. Aaron Jones is the better talent, is better for the team than Jamal Williams. I also know that Aaron Jones is not also built to be a 20-plus touch. I think the Packers realize that. I think the Packers' usage of running backs in general is also something to be concerned about. And I roll all that in with the drafting of Dexter Williams. And I'm not saying like Dexter Williams is a severe threat, but I am a fan of Dexter Williams. I love the way that he hits the hole and just explodes into – like I actually think Dexter Williams is going to surpass Jamal Williams. I just think the Packers see – Aaron Jones and say, you know what, let's keep him into the Lamar Miller back with the Dolphins role. Like, let's keep him in that 15 to 18 touch game, which is fine. And it'll be some of the most productive 15 to 18 touches any running back will have. But that's why I keep him as an RB2 is because I just think they're smart and they realize that. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope that Matt LaFleur has woken up since his time in Tennessee because he did at the beginning of the year, he was very frustrating in terms of the usage with the reins off of Derrick Henry. Well, yeah, he finally gave Derrick Henry carries. And it's like, well, look what happened. So I figured going to Green Bay, it's like, oh, I woke up. You know, I realized that I got to put the best running back on the field. But we keep hearing about this time uh, timeshare nonsense. I don't know if I'm buying it. That's why I think Aaron Jones, like the potential for him is top six. Like Marlon Mack doesn't have that in his, out, in his range of outcomes as long as Naheem Hines is there. Really? See, I, I don't think Aaron Jones has that. I do. I, I mean, Eddie Lacy alongside Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy's friggin' offense was able to finish as a top six running back twice. Well, call me crazy. Look, just again, you can feel free to. I mean, people have before. <laughs> but, you are, but what, what reason this time? No, no, no. I'll give you it. <laughs> running back style. I feel Eddie Lacy fits Aaron Rodgers better than Aaron Jones does. Why? Because like like what compare like, here I'll, I'll I'll turn it around to you and then I'll give you the answer because it's part of what you're going to answer I feel like compare Eddie Lacy and Aaron Jones give me their skill sets and their de- their deficiencies. Aaron Jones is definitely more elusive. Like he's a very shifty running back. He can be used on all three downs. He's got softer hands than Eddie Lacy did. Um, he's he's a lot smaller in terms of like get low behind the line of scrimmage and like be, be elusive shifty. Whereas uh, you have Eddie Lacy, who is just a, a pile driver where it's like, he's going to go downhill. He's not going to make many people miss. He's going to break a couple tackles. Um, he is what he is. He's kind of slow. So, well, so, but there you go. And that's, that's exactly where I'm going with this. Now, again, this is Matt LaFleur. So this is a new offense ish. And, but you know, I still, I feel Aaron, like Aaron Jones, again, I just said in my breakdown, and I'm not coming after you. I'm just for everybody out yeah. there listening, you're repeating what I said is like, I do think the touches he has will be some of the most efficient touches for any running back, like top 10 efficiency. Yeah. When I say like the offense of Aaron Jones or Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, there's too many Aaron's. There's, like, there's too many Williams and Aaron's on this damn team. So uh, the, the Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, I feel fits better with that downhill runner next to him. And I feel like you put in, that's why they kept using Jamal Williams at times last year, despite the fact that Aaron Jones proved to be better is because there was a different flow and granted things might've changed. Maybe to you, you mentioned it, it was the old McCarthy offense. Maybe part of that's the problem. And maybe having a new offense and thing, opening things up makes Aaron Jones. And that's why I said, there's a good chance that I'm completely wrong on this. Mm. But where my hesitancy lies is the fact that I just feel uh, the Dexter Jamal Williams fit next to Aaron Rodgers 
is better for this offense when you're talking about three weapons outside, still trying to get some at a tight end. Hell, maybe Sternberger even pushes Jimmy Graham. But the way that the offense is built, I feel, I feel it's better to have that next to him than the Aaron Jones created space. I, uh, I will agree to disagree on this one, but uh, so here's a stat I have for you, Jake. I did an article uh, went up Monday on uh, what running backs were better or worse than expected based on the the touches and targets they received and where those were on the field. You know, people tell us all the time, well, he scored he, his yards per carry was terrible because you know he, he he had a bunch of goal line carries. So I went through and I actually looked at every single carry, every target, where it was in the field, and there's an expected outcome for those touches based on the average. Okay, and I right. looked at every running back and I said. Who did better? Who did worse than what they were expected to do? The top, the, there was only four running backs who scored more than 40, point, 40 points more than they were supposed to with their touches. Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley, Kareem Hunt, and Aaron frickin' Jones. All right. Hey, that's Super a really talented. good stat. That's hey, it's a really good stat. And people are out there are probably going to be like, you know what? I'm going with Mike on this one. And that's fair. I just, I'm going to have... Apparently, zero shares of Aaron Jones at this point. And by, hey, by well, the way, Jake, Jamal Williams scored oh, 16.8 points fewer than the average running, running back would have. Oh, that doesn't surprise me at all. And <laughs> again, I go back to it. Like Jamal Williams is not even on the same level of talent. It's just the use. He's like of, a Chris Ivory type, right? I could see that. I think he, I thought initially he was going to be better than Chris Ivory. I actually thought that Jamal Williams skill set move wise, like his moves. I, yeah. I loved his moves. Um, but uh, yeah, look again, those are all really good points. I just feel like Aaron Jones, just if you give him 20 a game plus a game combined touches, I, I just feel like he's going to have another injury. And again, I'm not trying to draft for injuries. And it's just, but in my mind, I was like, I see how effective he is with those 15 to 18 again. And I'm drawing the parallel to Lamar Miller. I mean, let's, like, let's go back to Lamar Miller. P- people were saying he was a top 10 running. And I'm not saying they were right. I'm just saying people were saying he was a top 10 running back when he was the Dolphins and deserve more touches and deserve more touches and deserve more touches. And then he gets more touches. And what does he do? You remember, Mike, he put up the same numbers on more touches. So he was way less efficient. I'm not saying Aaron Jones is going to go down that path. It's just that's all the reasons I'm hesitant. So let's talk the wide receivers because a lot of people don't know which way to go. I, I don't know where you are. I have been on Allison... The entire time. And now, you know, for anybody that hasn't been listening, maybe came from you, I mean, like, well, this, this is why people hate Jake. Because I told you guys. No. But <laughs> I was on Allison because I felt his role was clear. His role fits the need that they've lacked since Randall Cobb started to decline. And despite the fact that Randall Cobb is a lot younger than you think he is. Uh, all that being said is I feel like he's the need. He's the one. He's, you know, Valdez Scanling is fine. But I also liked both talent-wise coming out of college. I liked Allison more anyway on top of it. And we saw this in the offseason. You, you, I'm sure you remember, Mike. It, one week it was blah, blah, blah is talking up Allison. And then the next week is blah, blah, blah is talking up Violet Scantley. And the next week is going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Now, the latest report, and this is why it's going to look a little bit like hindsighty, is the latest report is Allison's role in the slot is clear. This is what they have for going forward. Now, all of a sudden, I mean, you can see in the past two days, Allison's it's not enormous amount, but his press has gone up. Not surprisingly. Are you Allison guy or are you Marcus Valdez scaling guy? So I've been I've been team Allison on this one. Uh just because yeah. that dude has Aaron Rodgers' trust, and that's like literally what matters to me. Um Aaron Rodgers, every time you put a microphone in front of his face, he talks about Geronimo Allison. He says the guy does exactly what he's supposed to. Whereas Marquez Valdez Scantling, one of the things I heard was that uh down the stretch, he actually lost Aaron Rodgers' trust because and like we saw that in his performance. Everybody's like waiting for that turnaround. It never happened. 
apparently he, he was listening to Mike McCarthy rather than listening to what Rogers was telling him to do. And it was like a, a power struggle. Uh, so I don't know if he lost Rodgers' trust. I don't know if it's been regained this offseason. I have no idea. But one thing I do know is that Geronimo Allison has it. He's had it for a long time, and he produced. He was the number 26 wide receiver in fantasy last year over the first quarter of the season, and then he obviously got hurt. Um, but here's the thing. I didn't see him as a big slot receiver. That's apparently what they're going to go with, and that's fine because in a half PPR format, this is a study I did this offseason, in a half PPR format, slot targets are worth 11.5% more than perimeter targets on average. Granted, there's players that it'll affect differently, but that's basically the difference, 11.5%. So if he's going to see similar targets that he would have on the perimeter, they're technically worth more. Now, for everybody out there, how are you quantifying worth more? Um, it's basically over uh, an average perimeter target versus an average slot target. So perimeter tar- targets are worth an exact amount of points. Uh, and, and, he, and, and then I did the math basically so on what... Yes. Yes. And so it's 11 and a half percent because catch rate goes up in the slot yards per reception yards per target. It doesn't make up for it on the perimeter touchdowns that uh, on average wide receivers average one touchdown every 21.8 targets in the perimeter, whereas they average uh, a touchdown every 18.6 targets in the slot. All right. Good number. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of I did like like I said I did a whole article on the slot performance and what it means and you know players that you should be concerned about if they're moving to a perimeter role because they haven't necessarily done well in that role. So let's talk about another situation where we have a discussion of what role is everybody going to play and who is going to be the lead role because here let's let's do the positives first, Mike. Let's do Tevin Coleman is going to be the lead. Back with Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do the negatives. Jarek McKinnon's still on the team, and yep. we didn't really get to see anything of him and what he can do in this offense. Matt Breida looked pretty damn good last year. Tevin Coleman, granted not being Shanahan's offense, but being a very similar offense, failed in his opportunity, I think everybody would say, to be the lead last year with the Falcons and lost a lot of money in free agency, unfortunately, for him because of it. So you can look at it either direction. Is Tevin Coleman a potential top 20 running back that's just being disrespected and the share is not going to be that much? Or for you, is Tevin Coleman going to be, well, it might be him this week. It might be Matt Breed in the next. It might be Jarek McKinnon in the next. It might be whatever. Because there's also another report out there saying, Mike, that one of those three, obviously probably not Coleman, but could be benched every single week because Juice Chick is locked into his role and they like Mostert for special teams. So like those two might actually be fine with Tevin Coleman and it might actually be one of McKinnon or Breida that actually sits every week. Yeah, it's not going to be McKinnon. They're paying him way too much money. They had a chance they, to cut so, him. Are you really going to bench Brita every single week? Yep. It, the, the, here's the thing. So this is the, the easiest way that I could describe to look at this because Bobby and I have had this argument because he's actually a Brita guy. And I think Brita's a good running back. I really do. Here's the issue. Well, let's make one thing clear. He was also a Mike Boone guy. So, you know. That's uh, not always good. Uh, so, anyways. So, Kyle Shanahan has had Matt Breida on the team for two years now. Matt Breida played behind an inefficient Carlos Hyde. Matt Breida was not even a workhorse last year. We had to lose carries to Alfred Morris. We had to lose carries to uh, Jeff Wilson. We had to lose carries to uh, uh, Raheem Mostert. Like, so basically, everybody's like, well, you know, he could, he could win this job. I'm like, even if Tevin Coleman and Jarek McKinnon got hurt, we know what that looks like with Matt Breida. We really do. We saw it last year. The thing is, Kyle Shanahan knows exactly what he has in him. They, they signed Jarek McKinnon for a reason. I think they have a clear role for him. And then they signed Tevin Coleman, this, this 
this offseason in free agency knowing they had McKinnon coming back. They are not okay with Brita. I think they feel like he's a depth player and that he's someone that can step in and, and perform well. I, I, I think he's solid, but the issue is that Jarek McKinnon is a better receiver. Jarek McKinnon is the best receiver on that team. I think Tevin Coleman reminds me a lot in a ways. He's not the same type of player, not the same type of build, but of Giovanni Bernard, where people were waiting for him to get that bigger role. And then when he got it, it wasn't as good. I think he's better in that 8-12 to 12 touch role. And I think that's what Kyle Shanahan knows. The biggest thing for me on this, though, if Jarek McKinnon has the role that I think he's going to, which should probably net, I think, maybe 70 targets. Like, if he gets that role, he's being extreme, extremely undervalued. But that would cut into uh, George Kittle's potential. Because, like, those two coincide. Targets for running backs and tight ends are, that's the biggest, like, they have the best correlation among that. Like, if people are worried about tight ends stealing a wide receiver's targets, that correlation doesn't really exist. Uh, But between running backs and tight ends, it does. So, the biggest loser from this technically could be George Kittle. Right now, I'm kind of staying away. uh, But I do happen to believe that Jarek McKinnon is going to be much more valuable than people think because the 49ers had a chance to cut him. All guaranteed money was gone. They had a chance to cut him, but they're going to pay him. I think it's is it six or seven million dollars this year to have him on the roster. They're not going to leave him on the bench. Mm, that's, I mean, I'm with you. It's just I had to throw that out to challenge. It's going to be ugly, though. I think. I think it's it's ugly. I think I'd rather take a chance on like Dante Pettis. <laughs> <laughs> or, or sorry, that was. You know, we'll talk about that real quickly. Are you a Dante Pettis guy? Yeah, he's a separator, and I'm a fan of separators. Like, I loved Calvin Ridley coming out of college. I, you know, so many people talked about his combine numbers. I wasn't worried about it. He's a separator, natural. Um, Dante Pettis is a separator, and going back to to Jimmy Garoppolo should only be an upgrade, I would think. Um, You would think. Yeah, and they don't have a clear-cut number one. Like, he's a guy that could, in fact, see 120 targets this year, and I wouldn't walk away surprised. That's where – And okay, I'm I'm, I'm glad you said that. I'm not – glad you said that to be like ah yeah i want to argue with mike it was just like you know right. obviously we disagree with some people so far this sure. entire show uh but i'm a big debo samuel fan in the fact that i thought he was arguably the best one of arguably could be the best route runner in this draft class i think he has the number two role like i think debo samuel being out there is a concern to what you're bringing up and i include that with Jarek mckinnon being healthy is that Jarek McKinnon and Debo Samuel being on the field is part of the reason, like, hey, you know what? I'm willing to take a flyer on Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, we don't know anything about Jimmy Garoppolo, really. We haven't seen that much of him, even with his time with the 49ers. And we haven't seen Jimmy Garoppolo with a lot of the weapons around him, to even say. But I point to the fact of, like, you know what? If you're going to take that flyer, if you're going to take that, like, hey, I'm going to take the Josh Allen because of the Russian upside. Well, look, why not take a flyer on Jimmy Garoppolo, too? Because now... He has that backfield with a healthy Jeremy McKinnon. He has George Kittle, who we've seen so far. He has Debo Samuel coming out of the draft. You can make an argument who Trent Taylor has been working with Wes Welker. You have Dante Pettis, who I do like. Marquis Goodwin, the dude has weapons. But I bring that all back to say that, like, that's why I don't own any Pettis so far is because I don't know that he gets to 100. Like, I, I would actually put his over-under on targets, probably even under 100. I'd probably around, like, 95. I'd take the over. Okay. I, I think he's locked into like 105 range. I think he could get into the 128 territory. Actually, here, let's, I'm going to pull it up right now. Let, let's sneak preview. Uh, where's my projections on Dante Pettis? Hey, you know what? Control F. This is the easy way. Control F. <laughs> yeah, but, but while you're looking for hey, that. Speak- I'm taking the under because I have him at 92. Wow. Yeah, I, I think you're probably higher on Debo Samuel than me, though, because Samuel is someone that I think is going to have to work his way into some targets, um, where Pettis, he didn't start right away last year. Um, but Philip Rivers... Well, to so, be fair, I have Debo Samuel at 72. It's not like 
Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's so, definitely that's right. No, that's probably right. around the territory. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Oh, yeah, you can't say that. It's it's the <laughs> it's the it's the uh, again. It was only the amount of weapons and talent of this offense now and options to you know. I still have George Kittle as the top three tight end, but I would definitely take Ertz. I think in, in most PPR at this point. Yeah, yeah, I'm. I would lean Ertz as well. Um, but the reason Garoppolo to me isn't like a breakout candidate is because you know, like Philip Rivers, like like Garoppolo is a guy that doesn't run. And Rivers had a phenomenal season last year: forty three hundred right. yards, thirty two touchdowns. The number eleven quarterback. So like the upside you're getting is low end QB one. There's just not really a ceiling there for me. So he's a streamer. Right, but at least at this point, if you're playing in a deeper league, if you're going to eight dynasty is fine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the, the the fact is too is like it's the he's free, he's beyond free. Like he's not even you know he's down there with the Tom Brady's of the world. Which at that point again, just go Garoppolo. We know who Tom Brady. Tom, Tom Brady's and Philip Rivers and Andy Dalton's all this. They're going to be on the waiver wire forever. Just you go take your flyers and hope for the upside. By the way, a quick nugget. I've told this before. I actually saw Jarek McKinnon in college against my ODU Marnocks at home. And uh, you want to talk about a running game? Uh, so the Georgia Southern Eagles won 49 to 35. All right, Mike, they scored 28 points in the fourth quarter to give you the idea that this game was supposedly in hand. Um, they passed for 30 yards in that game. This is not an exaggeration. They threw two for 10 for 30 yards. One of those passes was completed by Jarek McKinnon, who threw seven times. <laughs> the other quarterback, or if you want to call him that, is threw once. Jarek McKinnon in that game, 171 rushing yards for four rushing touchdowns. The team ran for 602 rushing yards. Wow. Yes. I still remember that game to the day where I was sitting. The fact that they won this game, the fact that you're sitting there saying, it's the freaking triple option run. How can you not stop this? <laughs> <laughs> they averaged 8.5 yards per carry in that game. Jesus. That's crazy. Isn't that so annoying? Like, as a football person, isn't, isn't it the most annoying? Like, that offense should never work ever. Isn't it, like, the most annoying thing to see that? It, it, it's boring to me, yes. You know what's not boring? What? We're supposed to, like, jump in and, like, me or, like, follow me. Like, I was good. <laughs> that was a setup. You know, boo, I am so you? boring, dude. I am yeah, not the boring. No, no, no. Well, hopefully not because I have some questions about you before we get out of here. Oh, no. No, 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 just like, yeah, like, so it's just like, get to know Mike Daglier. <laughs> at Mike Daglier NFL, please do. Uh, and check him out on the Fantasy Pros. I'll let you do that at the end again, even though I just did it anyway. So for you, you know, I love my cartoons. What was your afternoon cartoon growing up? Afternoon cartoon? I, I really wasn't a big cartoon guy. Oh, um, my God. No, I mean, like, I, I guess downhill. Like He-Man, He-Man was my, was my jam. And the Defenders of the Universe or whatever yeah, it is. for sure. I the Masters, the masters of the Universe, dude. Get right. That's what I, I wasn't allowed to watch it. What? There was a handful I wasn't allowed to watch. This is so. This is back when my mom was a little bit the overbearing one. Like he's like you know worried about watching The Simpsons. And, yeah, yeah. And, and Gargamel on the Smurfs because he does magic and wizardry and all that type of stuff. Like mm-hmm. she's by far not anything like that anymore. But you know, like first I was the first kid. You know, you just kind of over. That was my parents with Beavis and Butthead. They did not let me watch that show. No, oh, yeah, I definitely wasn't allowed to watch that. There's yeah. no question about that. But yeah, I wasn't allowed to watch the the He Man one. All right, so He Man, are you gonna watch yep. the Are you gonna watch the movie when it comes out? Uh they're making another one. No, they're like making. What do you mean another? No, 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 like that a cartoon movie. Like they're making. I think they're. I'm pretty sure they're making a live action He Man. Yeah, they they did back in the '80s. Like they made a, oh, no, a no, real this is, one. This, I guess this is the reboot of the remake then. Okay, yeah, I'll see it for sure. I'll I'll, I'll hopefully watch it with my like two and a half year old. Like hopefully he'll enjoy it. 
All right. So if you were at cartoons, were you a TGIF Friday night TV show guy? No. Okay. Then what are you doing? Were you a movies guy, skating rink? What, I, lo- I love I love movies and I've always been I was always a sports guy as a kid where I was always out like it's so weird because like video games like interest me like I, I, I see why people play them it's fun um, but I didn't play video games as a kid like we, we played Super Mario every now and then but it was more like you know outside playing basketball baseball doing whatever outside Man. stop stop just stop what's uh what's your favorite kid kid movie or not kid movie movie as when you were a kid like the one that you remember growing up that's like uh it's my go-to i gotta watch that again um so like are you talking about like like really little or are you talking about like like you're you're cognizant enough to know what you were doing on a friday night oh um i I, well the movie gladiator it's not the russell crowe one the i'm talking about the actual better gladiator movie i'm talking about the one with uh, tommy riley the boxer it's a it's a movie that has cuba gooding jr in it brian dennehy um if you've never seen gladiator the boxing movie i highly recommend it it was a movie that i saw and it's just kind of about about like you know uh, i don't want to say being an underdog but it's kind of in in that aspect but there's a lot of like diversity growing up in a a mixed race community and like just overcoming some things and it was just really impressionable on me as a kid oh interesting i've never even heard of it so there you go check it out Uh, spades hearts or euchre you play any of those um no that those are like those are like polish games right no they're not polish games i think they are i i i think my grandpa played those um but i i, I played hold play spades no i play hold them dude oh, i play cards God. i'm playing hold them i mean i play hold them all the time but i still i went through college and i brought those up because they're very relatable to each other spades hearts and euchre euchre i was gonna see if you knew like euchre i thought was the that's the uh I don't know how to call it the rich man's. Like, it's kind of like, I, I think I'm better than Spades version. Uh, so for anybody that goes, go look up you. it's actually really fun. Like the first when you hear it, you're just like, just play Spades, dude. But we actually, I did an all-nighter at college playing Euchre. I can't believe, you, you never played Spades? What the, wow. I may have at some point, but I didn't play it enough to remember I'm it. I'm like, friendship. <laughs> we have to play cards sometime we get together. All right, this is, this is easy. Your best pizza topping. Pepperoni. All right, so last one. What's a bucket list trip or event that you need to go to before you're 50? No, I don't want like, oh, by the time I die. Before you're 50. No, I always wanted to go to Fenway uh, in Boston. I just did that a couple of weeks ago. Um, but I, I want to take a trip to Italy. I actually want to go to, to Italy and um, to be there for like two weeks. I, I want to do that while I'm still able to move around, walk around and uh, sightsee and all that fun stuff and take like a guided tour. But the, the issue is getting out of the States for two weeks, out of work for two weeks you know, in football is very Your window is the end of February. It's after, so that you, that's it. That's just your window. But then that's when I start watching college. I start grinding college tape because I don't watch college during the football, the NFL season because I, yeah, I just, I have too much going on during the NFL season to like, my wife would actually kill me. I tell her Saturdays. You have the window because I don't have the window because you do because I do fancy baseball. So my February is doing fancy baseball rankings and projecting for the news and all the articles of that. My window is at the, like the very last week of February and the first week of March. And then March, the entire month is doing what you just said is watching all the video from college and film and game tapes and doing my analysis. And then by the end of the time you get to March, you get all the combines, you get all the numbers, you get all that type of stuff. You get. So March is all that you've got your window. You don't have, so there you go. I just gave it to you. It's after the Super Bowl. go in February. <laughs> You don't need to jump. Right. If I could, I just did a hundred and I like left people off the list. If I just did that many players in college football, you can find that window of February that I don't have. 
Well, it's fair. And to be fair, that's actually usually when I do take a vacation. We usually take a week, but the, the wife and I are talking about leaving Chicago and moving down to like Tennessee. Uh, so we, um, this next year, we might actually just go down to Tennessee for vacation and um, just kind of scope out the areas and where we might want to live. Well, so there you go. And then eventually Italy. And eventually, or hopefully now, remind everybody, I already gave the Twitter handle again, but you can do all that again to make sure what, what you got podcast-wise coming up, article-wise coming up. Tell everybody where to get your stuff. Yeah, you guys, everything's at fantasypros.com. Obviously, we're doing the podcast. Uh, we're going to be bumping it up to four podcasts a week. Uh, I think in two weeks, we're going to go. We're doing three right now, but uh, in okay. season, we'll have in season we'll have four or five episodes it's it's non-stop non-stop with the fantasy pros football podcast but uh in season make sure to check out the primer that's uh my heart and soul goes into that article i uh it's about thirty thousand words every single week where i talk about every single player from every single game from both a season long and dfs standpoint so if you have a sit start question i answer it in that like i i really answer it as good as i can without knowing literally with no emotion involved so you could just read on any player and be like, okay, this is how he feels about this guy, this this guy. And um, if, I can't, if I don't answer it in there, I probably can't answer it, you know, anywhere else. <laughs> uh, but he pretty much, you will cover and answer everything. And I'll be on that podcast. I forget what date at some point. You guys plan so far out, but it'll be coming. <laughs> so make sure you're following Mike. I appreciate you guys listening. I'll be back next Wednesday. And then Flex Drafts, which... Mike, one of these years, we're coming back. I'm going to drag you out of your freaking <laughs> back to these drafts, and we'll hang out in person again because he is one of the best, so please follow him. And I'll talk to you guys next week.